Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. The story of Jonah, um, the place that this has in my own life and in my own heart, um, it comes from whenever I was 15 years old. Um, there was a preacher who, uh, he was a traveling evangelist. He came to Smith Grove, my home church, and uh, his name was uh, Pee Wee Denton. I don't know if anybody here would know him, Pee Wee Denton. He was uh, sharing his testimony and saying how it lined up with, with uh, the story of Jonah. He shared how he had uh, run from the Lord how he had uh, been in, in a motorcycle gang, and he'd lived about uh, the, the worst life you can imagine. And how he said, oh, I'll never be a Christian. But yet God got a hold of him, and he was saved. And after he was saved, he said, oh, I'll never be a preacher. And yet God called him to be a pastor, to be a preacher. And he talked about how his life was like Jonah, who had run from God. Yet God got a hold of Jonah. It's kind of uncomfortable there, being a prophet of the Lord, called to go to a people, but he didn't want to go. And he ran the other way, Yet God got a hold of him. Well, I was sitting there 15 years old whenever this preacher who I'd never really met before that day was talking about running from God and how he had run from God. And I began to get the sense that God was saying something to me that he wanted me to surrender to, his, to the ministry. I went to my pastor afterwards I told him, I think God may be calling me to preach. Two weeks later, he had me preach my first sermon. So Jonah is kind of special to me for that reason. Um, I didn't want to be like Jonah. I didn't want to be like that guy who was telling his testimony about how he'd run from God. I wanted to to follow. I wanted to do what, what God wanted me to do. Yet even, even then, I, I think as, as I've gone along my pilgrimage, there's been times whenever I've, I've fallen into that same trap and I've, I've run from what God wanted me to do from this thing or that thing. And God's always brought me around. Let's look at uh, the text. We're going to look at chapter 1 this morning. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, 
so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, on whose account has this evil come upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and and lay not on us the innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And made vows. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. Father, give us a heart to obey. Not like Jonah, who got up and ran the other way. Lord, I pray that you would, um, by your grace, work in our hearts. Help us to have a desire to obey you. Father, I, I pray that you would be with me and strengthen me. Lord, I'm just a, a weak and frail man. The power of God is in your word. Lord, I pray that the center this morning would be on your word. I pray that uh, you would unleash your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonah is a book among 12 books called the Minor Prophets. Um, 
in Hebrew tradition, they call it the, the book of the twelve. Uh, the, these are the shorter prophets um, that, that are all kind of collected together. They all kind of have a, a, a similar theme about the, the, the justice uh, of God towards the poor. And um, Jonah, in particular, uh, is a book that lifts up God's care for those outside of Israel. His care for those beyond the borders. We begin here. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Emetai. Who was this Jonah? Jonah, um, we read about him elsewhere in the Old Testament, in, uh, in Kings. He lived during the time of Jeroboam II. Um, I believe he was a real person. Uh, some have looked at the book of Jonah and think this is just too hard to believe. Uh, that a man would get swallowed by a fish and then live. It's too miraculous. Um, but some of the evidences we have from the scripture uh, is he is written about in another, in another text there in the Old Testament. He, he is placed there in, uh, in Kings along the time of, uh, sec- of Jeroboam II. And then Jesus, whenever he talks about Jonah, he talks about him as uh, a real historical person. He talks about him as if he was real. I do believe that Jonah um, is a historical uh, account. It talks about what actually happened. And I think that the reason for denying that would be merely uh, a reaction against the supernatural. God, I mean, surely we know that that can't happen. But if we believe in a God who could make the world in six days, who believe in a God who could raise up Jesus from the dead, a fish swallowing a man really isn't that big of a deal. Jonah, he was the son of Amittai, and and it says the word of the Lord came to him. This is a a common thing among the prophets. When, When God would speak to the prophet, he would say, a similar formula saying the word of the Lord came to this prophet or that prophet. Talking about a message that God had given Jonah, this prophet, directly. This is the content of the message. Arise, go to Nineveh, and that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. Notice there's three things that uh, God tells Jonah to do. He's to arise, he's to get up from where he's at, and he's to go to Nineveh, and he is to cry out or to preach against it. Well, Nineveh, where is Nineveh? Nineveh would be uh, to the east of where Jonah would have been in Israel. It, was a, it eventually became the capital city of Assyria, the Assyrian Empire. At this time, it probably was not yet uh, the capital, but it was a, it was a big city. Uh, and Assyria, this empire, was known for its violence. 
You can hear stories about uh, Assyria and the Ninevites, where they, they would defeat their enemies and they would make an example out of them. They would uh, impale the bodies and, and put them up so that the people would be afraid and know how, how violent that they were. And we're talking modern times. Nineveh would be located about the place where Masul, Iraq is. We think now in that very same location about uh, a group like ISIS. A group that's very violent. We can kind of almost make... It's not a, a perfect identification. They're not the same people. They don't have the same religion. Islam didn't even exist back in Jonah's time. But you can imagine the, the comparison of this very violent place. And God was telling... Jonah to go to these violent, violent people. And what did Jonah do? Well, God told Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh and cry out against it. Well, Jonah, what did he do? He arose. First first step was right. He arose. And what did he do? He fled. He didn't go to Nineveh, as God was telling him to, but he fled. And where was he fleeing from? He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. In the ancient world, people had an idea that uh, the gods were territorial. You would have one god for a certain city and a, a god for another territory. And when you'd leave one territory and go to another territory, uh, you could flee from your god. Jonah should have known better. In fact, later on, Jonah says that God, that Yahweh, God, is the God who made, God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry lands. Jonah should have known better. Yet he fell into the thinking of the day and he decided he wanted to run away from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to run away uh, literally before the Lord, from before the Lord. The language there has the image of of God in heaven looking down on Jonah and Jonah trying to run away from where God could see him. God told Jonah to go to the east towards Nineveh. Jonah decides he's going to run to Tarshish. Now where's Tarshish? We, We don't know exactly. The best guess that scholars can come up with would be uh, over in the area where Spain is. In the opposite direction. In fact, it's as far as you can possibly get in the ancient world away from Nineveh. He was going in the opposite direction. He was trying to go as far as he possibly could. To the very end of the tip of Europe. He wanted to get away from the presence of of the Lord. Well, what happened? Jonah, he goes out in, into the ship. He goes to Joppa, which was a seaport. He gets into the boat and he pays the fare for the boat. Some have suggested maybe he paid the entire fare for the whole ship so that it was just the crew and him. Don't know for sure if that's the way it is, but Jonah, he paid expense. You know, he wanted to run from God and it cost him to do so, didn't it? He, he paid the expense of this thing, of this trip. And he was wasting his money as he did it. 
He got down into the boat, down into the bottom, and the, the ship sets out on its way. None of this was hidden from the Lord. Jonah was trying to get away from the Lord. He wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord, but none of it could be hidden. And Jonah, or the Lord, what does he do? He hurls a great wind upon the sea. God, He is all-powerful. He created the world with His very Word. You know, it was His Word that He spoke and created the world and brought it into existence. And it was His Word that came to Jonah, telling him to go. And the Lord hurled this wind upon the sea. There's a mighty tempest that threatened to break up the ship. Literally, it says that the ship thought to break up. It was, it was uh, personifying the ship. The, the ship was so disturbed that it, it was almost as if the ship wanted to break apart itself because of the wind and the storm was so bad. And the mariners were afraid. You know, whenever Jonah was trying to run from God, it was getting the people around him into trouble, wasn't it? There were consequences for the people around Jonah whenever he decided he wanted to run from God. The mariners became afraid. They were all crying out. These were pagan people. They didn't know the God that Jonah knew. And they began to crying out to all their gods. To Molech and to uh, Ammon and all these different other gods that the ancient Canaanites would believe in. They're thinking, who knows? You know, let's let's pray to each God and, and hope that we have enough prayers that some God will have mercy on us that we'll live. They were crying out to their God, and what else did they do? Well, the Lord hurled this this uh, wind upon the sea, and here it says that the crew hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea. There's a lot of hurling going on here. It is the same word. It's repeated uh, in in both places and it it continues on. We we see a repetition of that word, hurl. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. And Jonah, he had gone down into the inner part of the ship and he laid down and was fast asleep. I find this very interesting. Interesting. You know, a lot of times whenever a person has done something wrong, their conscience might keep them awake. But Jonah was just deadened to his conscience. He was able to go down into the boat and he was just fast asleep, sleeping away, sleeping like a baby, dead to his conscience. And the captain... The captain of the ship came down and he said to him, What are you doing? How can you sleep at a time like this? The ship's about to break up and you're down there sleeping? And then he says something. Arise! We've heard that before. When God told Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh and cry out against it. And 
Jonah, what did he do? He arose, but yet he didn't do what God told him to do. And he hears out of the words of this ship captain, this pagan ship captain, arise and call out, cry out. Same word. Same word here. The call out that the ship captain is telling Jonah to do is the same cry out that God was telling Jonah to do. You can imagine what Jonah would have been like. He was waking up from his sleep and he hears, arise and call out. What was he thinking? Has God found me? It was only the ship captain. He says, arise and call out to your God and perhaps God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So what does Jonah do? He gets up, he's with the other people and the members of the crew, they decide they're going to cast lots. They, uh, it's like rolling the dice and, and seeing, draw, drawing for the, for the shortest stick to see what, uh, who, who the guilty party is. Well, they cast lots. And it says the lot fell on Jonah. God, uh, it says in Proverbs, I think it's chapter 16, that, that, it's the, that it's God who determines where the lot is cast in the lap, but the Lord determines um, what it is. The Lord uh, revealed who it was to these mariners, because He's in control even of the very dice. He's in control of these lots. And whenever the lots fell on Jonah, they asked Him, Why is it that this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? What do you do? Does it have anything to do with what you do for a living? What is your country? What what God do you serve that this could be upon us? What people are you? And he said, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah revealed who he was. He was a Hebrew. And his God was not a territorial deity like these mariners thought of. But he was the God of the heavens who made the land and the sea. He was the God of everything. This frightened the mariners, these sailors. How could you do this, Jonah? You're trying to run from God? Jonah had told them he was running away from the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. You're trying to run from this one who is the God of heaven, who made the land and the sea? These mariners, they saw how foolish it was. You can't do this. You can't run from a God who is the God of heavens who made the land and the sea. They asked Jonah, what should we do? What do we need to do to make the wind calm down, to make this storm quiet? Jonah, he says, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. There's that word again, hurl. Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And it'll be calm. 
These pagan mariners had a lot of compassion on Jonah. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to throw him overboard. They knew that it would be death and they didn't want to be found guilty for what what would happen to Jonah. So after Jonah says, throw me overboard, they begin to row all the harder. They begin to row and row and row, but it does no good. They cannot fight against God who was trying to get a hold of Jonah. When they found that it was futile and they couldn't row any longer, in fact, it says that the sea grew even more tempestuous against them. Jonah, they, they, they cry out to the Lord again. These mariners, these pagan peoples, they begin to cry out not to their own gods, but they cry out to the Lord, the Lord, to Yahweh, to the God of the heavens who made the land and the sea. They cry out to Him and they ask Him, don't find us guilty. Don't put this innocent blood on our hands. And they do what Jonah said to do. They threw him overboard. And immediately, when they throw him overboard, the winds and the waves ceased. It was calm. And the men, says they feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now I want to notice a couple of things here in this story. There there are a couple of parallels that we see from the story of Jesus that I asked Jonathan to read. Jesus was asleep in the bottom of a boat whenever a storm came upon him and the disciples. He was not guilty of anything. He was not running away from the Lord. But, but I think whenever we see that and read that about Jesus in the New Testament, it ought to make us think of Jonah. And then, what happens at the end of that story about Jesus stilling the storm? He speaks. He speaks to the winds and the waves and it quiets down immediately. It's like glass. Just calm down. We see the same thing happen whenever Jonah was thrown into the ocean. It's not because Jesus was guilty of anything and then thrown in. But no, He is the same God. He was the same God. God incarnate. God in the flesh. The one who calmed the storms whenever Jonah was thrown overboard is the same person. The same man that walked among us. 2,000 years ago. He had the power to be able to still the storm. Jesus, the one who was asleep in the boat, He had the power to calm the wind and the waves. He had power over nature because He Himself was the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. Now for application. Has God called any of us to do something? Is there something you know that God wants you to do? 
I said that many times in my life, I think, even though I wanted, whenever I first was called to ministry, not to run from God, I, I think I, 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 because of my sinful nature, I've ended up doing it anyway. And God has brought me through many different toils and snares, as the hymn goes, to get me where He wants me to be. He brings in trials and tribulations to refine us and make us what He wants us to be. Well, we can't outrun God. It's futile to try to outrun God, to run away from the presence of the Lord. He is everywhere, and He is in control, and He does what He pleases. There at the end of verse 14, lay, it not on, lay not on us the innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. The Lord is in control of all things. He determined where the dice landed when they cast lots. He, did, he was the one who hurled the storm upon the sea, and He was the one who calmed it again. It's futile to try to outrun God. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.